Welcome to another episode of Old School Thoughts, and, and thank you for all that you do to make this podcast possible. Today, I've reached another goal because Martha Buford Green has agreed to be a co-host for Old School Thoughts. And she and I have shared hours and hours of conversations just talking as we begin to learn more about each other. But we have been talking about the village a, a, a lot. And we want to do an assessment of what the village is and how to break it down and have our own conversations. So without me saying anything else, I would like to welcome Martha back, but this time as a co-host and not just as a guest. So Martha, I'm going to turn the mic over to you, give you a chance to give the greeting, do your opening, whatever you're going to do. Let's do it. Let's do it, Frank. Thank you so much for inviting me back and inviting me to be a co-host. It's quite an honor for me to do so. And I'd like to, before we start, just to make sure that we send out a message to all the families of victims of violence, that our thoughts and prayers are with them, and that we stand against this horrible issue that we have of gun violence in America. Well, I stand with you on that. And, you know, definitely we would like to always keep the victims in our thoughts and prayers. Uh, those who are who are deceased and those who were just injured, you know, uh, it's a shame that we have lost that security, that there's no safe place now. That's true. I mean, you we used to you we used to know that we were safe if we went to a shopping mall, or mm-hmm. we were safe if we went to church, right? Or if we were just safe driving in our cars. Mm-hmm. And that is no longer the case. And that's going to be something I'm sure that we'll touch on at different points throughout our broadcast or our podcast. And uh, right now, we need to really get to trying to understand what this village is and how the village impacts us as a people. Okay, so as we talk about it, you know, we've talked Mm -hmm. about during our conversations, we've talked about uh, Roots, Alice Haley's story. We've talked about books that we've read. We've shared stories about that. But every time I have these conversations with you or anyone else, I always have this image in my mind of how I saw my elders, what the role was. So you and I are from two different regions, but for some reason you and I have similar stories. But I'm going to ask you, you know, how did you see the role of the elders in the village? as you witnessed it in your family, based on your own perception, how did you see their importance, their significance today? And how do you draw on what you have seen and what you know? Does that make well, any you sense? Know that, that makes a lot of sense. Okay. And one of the things I think is important is, I don't think we fully have explored how the village is structured. But let's talk about the elders the way that I understand the elders in my world. Okay. The elders were not necessarily people that were really old, Mm -hmm. but simply people that you respected and that were, in a way, able to tell you how how the world was and teach you about the world, their family values, tell you about your history they talked about the traditions things that we did 
uh, like going back to family reunions that they remember, mm-hmm. or even instances where I used to ask questions about how was it in the South when you had a church meeting? What did you do? Mm-hmm. And they would talk about those campground meetings, okay? And I don't know if you have any listeners that know about campground meetings for churches. No, describe but that it. was a way of, yep, a revival. Mm-hmm. That's exactly what it was. And they would have a revival, and then they would have a repass after revival. And it was a way of making sure that village stayed intact and in connection with each other. So these were people that could tell you how somebody lived, how they, what songs they sang or what stories they told. And they were usually the ones that helped to mold the thinking of the younger people in the family. If you had a question about how to behave in a certain circumstance or a certain instance, it was usually the elders that taught you those small things, whether it was how to pray before you went to sleep, or if they were asking you to sit at the table for Sunday dinner. They were the ones that pointed out to you where you put your napkin in your lap, how you put it in your lap. Didn't stick your napkin up in your, your, your neck of your shirt because that wasn't proper. Right. You put your napkin on your lap, right? Mm-hmm. Or they would tell you which fork to use for the salad, which fork was used for the soup. I mean, which spoon was used for the soup. So these were things that they did, and they were usually the ones that organized all the social gatherings, and they were the ones that said, okay, we're going to congregate at so-and-so's house, and they were the ones that put together all the meals. Those elders held sway over how the etiquette and how the family did things, whether it was in a marriage or it was a funeral. You went to the elders because you wanted to make sure that you did it properly the way it should be done. And and I see it today when I think about someone passing away and the younger people not being able to understand how you should write a obituary mm-hmm. or not even being able to say, I need to have a service for this person in this order. Mm-hmm. They, they don't even know how to do that. Right. So they rely on the elders to help them get through that. Mm-hmm. So when you, what about the lessons that the elders would teach? I, I know my mother, she didn't ask mm-hmm. me for permission you know, she didn't ask for permission. None of the elderly relatives that I knew never asked you for permission to give advice. If they saw you doing something and if they thought you needed to know something, they shared it with you. I agree. You know, even in the North, it was understood. The elders' opinions outweighed everybody's. Right. You know, in a sense, the elders kind of mirrored the elders in African villages where the elders were a group of men or sometimes men and women that actually advised and decided what action the village should take. They would say when something should be planted, when something should be, an event should occur, or even if there was a wedding or a birth. Those elders were involved in it. And I think we've carried that same thinking across to here, to this side of the water, where we still have the elders 
when we go to prepare for any event, you want to make sure the elders are part of that preparation. Or you at least go to them and ask them, what is the proper way to do things? So for me, you know, the elders were usually uncles and aunties. My mother was certainly an elder because uh, my older sister was old enough. She was married and she had children that were older than I. So she, in a sense, was an elder that I could look up to. Mm-hmm. And sometimes, you know, older siblings in a, act as pseudo-elders. Because older siblings kind of know the ropes and they can kind of tell you what you should do so you don't get in trouble, mm-hmm. okay? They can kind of guide you. So the elders are, are really people that guided your upbringing and they guided your path so that you had a safe journey to adulthood. Mm-hmm. That's, how, that's how the elders were here. I don't know if you saw the same thing in your part of the world in Georgia. Mm-hmm. I did see certain things. And, you know, as you were speaking, you know, I was thinking about my mother and father, how they interacted and what things they would teach us. Mm-hmm. And, you know, I can remember my brother one time approaching my dad and said, hey, you know, these people were talking about me. I believe they're saying things about me. And my father, you know, wanted to slow him down and, and just ask him a simple question. Did you hear them say anything? Do you know what they were saying about you? And he said, no. He said, so they could have been saying some positive things about you. If you think they're saying something negative, then what did you do wrong? You know, so... As as the baby brother, I listened to it and said, you know, that made a lot of sense. <laughs> you know what I mean? like, yeah, and you made sure that you didn't want to repeat that. Yeah, I wanted to make sure I didn't approach my dad. That, you don't want to hear that, that, that discussion, right? <laughs> I didn't want to approach my dad with that kind of stuff and have him to say, well, did you hear it? You know, you know. Yeah, but, but, but you see, Frank, wasn't your dad really, in effect, teaching your brother to oh, yeah. be more observant to what he thinks he saw versus the facts of what really occurred? Well, what I took from that, he was saying to my my brother, if you see yourself as, as a positive person, you mm-hmm. would think that everyone around you is saying something positive about you. So mm-hmm. that's a mindset. And, and, I, yeah. and I thought that was great the way he did it because he was saying, hey, if you think, if you're thinking great things, then you would think that everyone saying great things about you so don't think negative of yourself because if you do you're going to think that other people are feeding off of that so it it was just a great lesson that i got a chance to hear and and learn from was a lesson in understanding your own positive thinking Mm -hmm. so he gave him a sense of you know he supported him in a way because he said you know, think positive about yourself right. before you assume what somebody says that's negative. Mm-hmm. And and from that, it kind of reminds me of when, before I went out to work, my mom gave me some advice. I got a lot of advice before I went out to work because I had a lot of siblings, right? But my mom said something that was key. And what she said is, don't ever do something that you'll be ashamed of later. I kept that with me throughout my whole life because that was a sound piece of advice. 
because whenever I faced something that I wasn't sure about what that decision should be, I thought about those words and I thought about, is this going to harm me or come back to haunt me later because it's not the right thing to do? You know, or should I go someplace that's not the right place to be because everybody's going? Or should I just hang back and say, you know what, I'll catch you guys later and go my own way. So that, that was a guidance to me to always be my own person and think for myself. You know, you know, the elders used to say things like, well, if everybody jumps off a bridge, are you going to jump too? Yeah. You know, in a sense, they were saying to you, don't be a follower, be a leader. Mm-hmm. Okay. Don't take something negative and, and take it into your being and, and become ashamed of something negative when it might not even be a fact. You are a positive person. What you're doing is positive, and that outweighs what that negative gossip might be. At any time, did you consider the elders to establish gender roles? Oh, yeah. Mm-hmm. <laughs> you know, elders, you know, elders, depending upon whether they're male or female, had specific roles. Mm-hmm. Like, my uncles would often when my father passed away, they would often take my brothers and they were responsible in a way. They took on the role as a father figure mm-hmm. and they were responsible for making sure that uh, my brothers did all the things that were a respectable man should do. Right. And taught them the responsibility of accepting whatever decisions you made. You, you live with the consequences and you accepted it, but you move forward from it. You didn't let it tie you down or stop you. They taught them how to be uh, ingenious and how they went about solving problems. The women, by the same token, did the same thing. You know, my mother worked outside of the home, and there were certain things that we were expected to get done uh, while she was at work. You know, if the house needed sweeping or the house needed sprucing up, the girls were expected to do that. Okay, and often we would elicit my brother to help us, so we did it as a team effort mm-hmm. because she encouraged us to be a team, mm-hmm. you know, and she encouraged us to know that we needed to, to support each other and help each other. My mother was the first person that I was aware of that introduced the concept of paying forward to me mm-hmm. because she trained all of us, the older kids help the younger ones with their homework. And when I was ready to go into the world of work, my brothers all gave me little tidbits of advice. One brother said to me, when you go into the job and you're managing people, because I came and I I got to the point that I could manage people. Mm -hmm. He said, treat those people like you want to be treated. Mm -hmm. That's another piece of advice that carried me through my entire career right to try to be fair and treat people the way I wanted to be treated and what did that mean it meant listening to people Mm -hmm. before you make a decision about something hear both sides of the argument don't assume anything because sometimes people are operating from an emotional setting or they may have a 
a dislike for the person. So you need to sit down and you need to hear both sides of the issue. And then you can make a, a sound judgment. You can't make a sound judgment by only hearing one side. Because you don't know, you know, if that really is reflective of exactly what happened. So you try to look for um, the information to tell you what happened from both perspectives. Because the collective of both perspectives tells you what really occurred. It gives you a fuller picture of what might have occurred, and then you can make a better judgment about it. And you can decide whether somebody needs to be um, spoken to or needs to have a different understanding. So let me ask you this question then. Uh, mm -hmm. What is the value of listening to your elders? Not from just, I know the biblical answer is at the very top, is in, in, indisputable. But what is your, what is the value of listening to your elders? Life experience is the value. Elders, by their life experiences, have encountered things that you may not have yet encountered. They may have seen or have been in situations that you are yet to encounter. So sometimes by listening to them or even listening to the history of the family, I wouldn't know half of what I know about my family if I hadn't paid attention to the elders talking. Mm -hmm. You know, and, and it's funny because, you know, growing up, I grew up where children shouldn't always interject in, in adult conversations and children were not encouraged to be in the same room with adults right mm -hmm. but I found that it was very prudent for me to stay by the door real quiet and listen mm -hmm. and that's how I got to know names of people in the family where they lived so elders hold the key to not only life lessons but sometimes they're the ones who teach the grandchildren how to say their prayers at night. Sometimes they're the ones who hold the key to why you have a certain trait you have. You know, it's a funny thing. In, in my family, the women are very uh, professional and very strong. And in talking to the younger ones, they were like, well, I don't know how I always end up in charge of things. And I don't know how I end up having an opinion about things and I and I laughed because from the history that I know of the family the first woman that I was ever introduced to that had that was my mother's grandmother she was in charge and she held sway over both white and black and I think it's a trait that carries through my mother certainly exhibited my, my grandmother exhibited I have it and now I'm witnessing it not only in nieces and nephews but in grandnieces and grandnephews, mm -hmm. this ability to have that confidence and the ability to go out and take charge and not to be afraid to take uh, risks. Mm -hmm. Okay, I think the elders hold a great sway of importance to us because without them, we wouldn't know how the history of black people in America have really formulated to the successes that we have today. 
most of the successes that you see that African Americans have had came from struggles and families that had w- gone through immense struggles and came out of the other side of those struggles because they persevered and they were not deterred. Mm-hmm. The elders are key to letting us know not only uh, the foundation of who we are, the elders are here to tell us and, and challenge us to say, you can do better than I did. In fact, that was their goal. I think that was the goal of most of the parents. Parents always want their children to have something better than they. For my mother, it was wanting her kids to be educated. Right. Because she could only get to the third grade. Right. Okay? But she made sure all of her children were educated, and then as we grew older, we were responsible for ensuring the ones below us that they got educated. So it became that became a tradition. Did you see that coming from the men in your life? Yes. Mm-hmm. Oh, yes. Mm-hmm. The, the, <laughs> you know, I think my smallest memories of, I do remember a little bit about my dad, but the smallest memories I had was how the men in the family always made sure they provided for us. So even in tough times, I remember, you know, we had a couple of uncles that worked in, you know, the, the market, what we call the market in New York. So they may have, some of them worked in the meat market and some of them worked in the vegetable market. And at the end of the week, they would come by and they would have chickens and steaks and, you know, things that they were able to take. Um, and pay for at a a discount because it was the end of the week and they didn't want, you know, the owners didn't want to have this stuff just sitting around and so they used to discount it to to workers and in some cases, I'm not sure they discounted it. I think they just kind of took help themselves a little bit, okay? Mm -hmm. But they always made sure that there was enough food in the house for every family and so they would divide up you know, and it's funny because it makes me think about African villages and elders who stand there and they vi- divide up the food and the goods when they go hunting. They d- divide it up so that all the families in the community have the same amount to eat, that no one goes lacking. Yeah. So, you know, I think it's the same tradition taken to a different level here in America. So I saw that, I witnessed that from my uncles. And then later, I think, I witnessed it when I saw my older brothers help to guide my younger brothers. Got them jobs, you know, helped them in school, and supported them. So I think the same thing happened with the females in the family. So some, somewhere in our transition from the South to the North, they kept that same thing that was going on in the South because I remember hearing stories of my grandmother. Uh, she was a church woman. Her husband was a minister. And they would collect goods and foods and she would take and distribute it around to the neighborhood, to the village, to the people in her parish. Hmm. You know, I think when you think about the old times when they're after church service they would have a repast 
Mm-hmm. That was a way of feeding people without people having to be embarrassed. Mm-hmm. So you still contributed to the to the community. So Martha, we we've gotten a chance to talk about the village and we beginning to look at what the role of the elders were and how you saw them and how I got a chance to see them as well. But I I would like to close out this particular segment Mm -hmm. so that we will give our audience an opportunity to kind of take in what you have shared. Mm Mm-hmm. And then we get a chance to see what is the different angle. What what is it that we're missing? Does that make sense? Yes, it makes sense. Mm-hmm. I think, Frank, for me, what I see is we've lost touch with the elders. Mm-hmm. We've somehow come to the conclusion that they have nothing to contribute. Mm-hmm. Or if they contribute, it's old mm-hmm. and it's not useful. But some things transcend age. You know, doing the right thing and walking the right path has nothing to do with whether you're old or young. You either choose to do that or not. And I think we need to pull those elders back into our circle. I, I think as a retired person, I've come to observe a lot of time when I see elderly people by themselves with no one, nobody to call them or check on them. And it's a terrible thing to watch. And sometimes I find myself helping other elderly people who don't have someone. And I'm lucky because I have people that check on me often. But you look at elders who are without families to check on them. And it's sad to see because they carry so much information. Those elders have been silenced and they are afraid to say anything now because they're afraid they'll be embarrassed or ridiculed. We should never have that happen. Okay. So, Martha, let's hold that for the next segment. Okay. Let's hold that for the next segment because that is a very significant one. So let's hold that for the next segment. Will do. All right. So I'm going to let you close out to the, to the listeners. Well, I'd like to say, first of all, thank you to the listeners, and I hope you're patient with me as a beginner. But certainly I hope you listened and you analyze and you think about some of the things that Frank and I are talking about because those things are critical to us as a people. And I'm afraid that the threads that have been broken, I want them to be mended because amended thread or threads that are multiple threads are certainly stronger than a single thread and we need to be stronger as people so look to the elders if you have elders in your family ask them how they're doing ask them if they feel like talking sometimes we we don't even ask them if they feel like talking about something We'll ask them a question, and if they don't give you a response right away, then we feel slighted. That's not the case. Sometimes there's other things going on with them. So be persistent, and let them know that you love them. I call my elders all the time to say to them, I love you. I told one of them today, a 105-year-old, I love her to the moon and back. And she sounded so funny when she laughed. She, she was tickled. 
to hear me say that, but it's true. I love her to the moon and back. So that's what we need to do. Reach out to the elders. Reach out to your parents and ask your parents how were your grandparents. What do they remember good about growing up around them? Don't focus on the negatives. Focus on the positive. That's what I'd say. All right. Well, to all of you, again, Martha, thank you. I'm so happy to have you on board. And you all know how I close out. You know that I love you. And until next time, be good. Thank you. Thank you.